Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, brought to you by nbautographs.com. That's N as in Namath, B as in Bolitnikoff, nbautographs.com. The Game Before the Money podcast. Celebrating pro and college football history, one legend at a time. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, presented by nbautographs.com. I'm your host, Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL. That's published by the University of Nebraska Press and available on their website, Amazon.com, TheGameBeforeTheMoney.com, as well as Barnes & Noble. And also, I'm writer-director of We Were the Oilers, The Lovely Blue Era. That DVD is available on Amazon and TheGameBeforeTheMoney.com as well. Also like to let you know, I'm now hosting another podcast, the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. We just had Hall of Famer Ken Houston on that podcast, as well as Gene Stallings. A lot of great Bear Bryant stories in that Gene Stallings podcast. And a really great look at Pro Football Hall of Famer Ken Houston in that episode. So please also check out the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Going to start out this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast with a trivia question. Who is the only person to win the Heisman Trophy and play in the Final Four? There's only been one person to do that. Charlie Ward is an excellent guess. Charlie, of course, winning the Heisman Trophy with Florida State and then going on to have a pretty fine NBA career. But that Florida State basketball team missed out on the Final Four. They made the Elite Eight, but didn't win their regional final. The answer to the question is Terry Baker, who won the 1962 Heisman Trophy with the Oregon State Beavers and then helped lead the Beavers to the 1963 Final Four. And Terry Baker's experience as a senior might be the most amazing senior year anybody has ever had. And I'm not just talking about statistically, because of course, You have to have great stats to win the Heisman Trophy. But then to go on and lead your team to the Final Four as well, that's incredible. Plus, we're going to hear some stories from Terry on this episode of things that happened around all that. Now, when you put it into perspective, all of these things happening for a young man over a six-month period, it's pretty mind-blowing. And it's going to be a lot of fun reliving that experience with Terry Baker today on the show. And we'll kick things off by hearing Terry talk about what it was like to grow up in Portland, Oregon in the years following World War II. I assume like growing up in any other city, you know, I was the youngest of three boys and raised by a single mother, went to good grade school, high school, and we weren't wealthy by any means, but we made do and my mother did a a great job in getting us all graduated from high school and through college. Like many American kids, Terry started off playing sports informally around the neighborhood. Being the youngest of three boys, I naturally kind of 
followed uh, the lead of my older brothers. But one brother was seven years older than I was, and the other brother was two years ahead of me. We were very, very close, and anything he did, I tagged along behind and did also. That was our source of play in those days. Things are a lot different today. I don't know if everywhere in America is that way, but I suspect it pretty much is that uh, things weren't so structured then. Your parents weren't taking you everywhere all the time, planning your schedule and everything. And with my mother working, we were just left to go play on our own. That's what you did. You got involved with other kids and you played. And uh, whatever the season was, we played that sport. Terry later became a standout athlete at a high school that had a standout athletic program. The high school I went to was nicknamed as the School of Champions, and we won state championship in football. We won it in baseball, track, and we were kind of a powerhouse. And I played three sports there. It was all state and all three, football, basketball, and baseball, and it couldn't have been any better. Amazingly, off of my senior team, we must have had six or seven kids that ended up playing the equivalent of Pac-12 football. Obviously, one of those kids went on to win the Heisman Trophy. But another one of those kids had a pretty good football career as well. Mel Renfro, who played for the Cowboys forever and NFL Hall of Fame, was a year behind me on our team. Terry chose to accept the scholarship from Oregon State. The future Heisman Trophy winner chose two other sports over football. I went as a freshman on a basketball scholarship. I did not play football my freshman year. And I was going to play basketball and baseball. And then in the spring, my freshman year, all our games were getting rained out. Tommy Prothrow was the head football coach at Oregon State. His dad, Doc Prothrow, had won the 1924 World Series with Walter Johnson and the Washington Senators. Tommy also was a great athlete and played for the Duke Blue Devils in the 1942 Rose Bowl against, ironically, Oregon State. Those of you who have read the game before the money might remember that Tommy Prothrow was the Rams coach who drafted Jack Youngblood and the Chargers head coach who drafted Louis Kelcher. He was good at spotting talent. Prothrow knew Terry Baker's football skills and hoped to get him to join the Oregon State football team. He had asked me if I would just attend a meeting of the football team before spring practice had started, and they were a single-wing type formation they ran at that time. He was a disciple of Red Sanders from UCLA. I went to the meeting, and there on the depth chart on the blackboard, he had me as a second-string tailback already. (laughs) (laughs) Terry decided to play football rather than baseball, but a single-wing offense going into the 1960 football season? That sounds a little antiquated, doesn't it? That's a very true statement, and we shifted to the T formation then my junior year, and it wasn't solely because of me. It was largely driven by a fact that I've heard Prothroat say that they were having a hard time scheduling teams because they didn't want to play a single-wing football team because that's the only time they would play one all year, and they didn't want to have to prepare for it. Still, in 1960, Terry's sophomore season... Oregon State ran a single-wing offense. They opened the season at USC. Terry shares with us his memories of the game played at the L.A. Coliseum. That's the first football game I'd played in since high school. We were on one side of the tunnel lined up before you go onto the field, and the USC was lined up on the other side of the tunnel. And I looked over at those guys. I looked over and up, and I said, holy mackerel, 
I mean, is this what I've got myself into? You know, but we went out there, and uh, SC had been picked, I think, number one by Playboy magazine or something at the start of the season, and we beat them, and I think that's the last time Oregon State has beaten SC in the Coliseum in Los Angeles. Terry's memory is spot on. Through the 2018 season, 1960 is the last time that Oregon State won at USC. The Beavers finished with a 6-3-1 record in 1960, the last year that they'd run the single-wing offense. In Terry's junior year, 1961, Oregon State would run the T-formation offense. They opened the season against Syracuse. The Syracuse roster featured future Pro Football Hall of Famer John Mackey and 1961 Heisman Trophy winner Ernie Davis. We played them up in Portland. They beat us. We didn't play real well, but of course we had just switched to the T formation and I think, you know, there was a little bit of a a shakedown cruise on that for us. But Ernie Davis played well, I remember that, and more I remember that by the time the end of the following year when I won the Heisman Trophy, he had already passed away. During the 1961 college football season, Oregon State did have trouble adjusting to the T formation and lost four of their first five games. Then they reeled off four straight wins. During those wins, the defense only gave up eight points total. They finished the season at five and five. Terry had thrown for five touchdowns and rushed for two more. What's more, Sports Illustrated put Terry on their cover in an October 1961 issue. The caption read, The best athlete in college, Oregon State's Terry Baker. Terry's Oregon State college basketball team had a pretty good season, and they ended up going pretty deep in the NCAA tournament. And then Terry had a pretty typical summer for an early 1960s college student. There weren't summer lifting programs for college football players like there are today, and there weren't quote-unquote, voluntary seven-on-seven practices. Back then, even a two-sport athlete like Terry could take a break from athletics during the summer. And the amazing events that were about to unfold for Terry during his senior year in college weren't even on his radar in the summer of 1962. Now in the summer, I think virtually all the football team is still on campus and they're basically practicing on their own and doing things. You know, in my day, you left the day after classes were out in the spring. I went home and I always had a summer job. That year, because there was a construction strike in Oregon, I ended up down in California. I got a construction job down there and stayed at a friend's house. You know, it was just a normal thing. And I came back and, you know, you show up two weeks before school starts and we started practice. And I figured we'd have another season like the one the year before. Oregon State started out the 1962 season at 2-2. Two and two, So it did probably seem a lot like the previous year in Corvallis. But then the Beavers ran off six straight wins to finish the regular season at 8-2. and two, And they earned an invitation to the Liberty Bowl to face Villanova. Everything pretty much went right. I mean, not everything went right. And some things with another twist here or another play there, we would have had even a better season. In 1962, Terry threw 15 touchdown passes, tied for tops in the country. He also ran for nine touchdowns, meaning he accounted for 24 touchdowns that season. And basic math tells us that's more than two a game. And that's a good segue into telling you that Terry Baker was an engineering major and didn't just deal with basic math. So one day, Terry's sitting in class like any other engineering student. 
And that's when things in Terry Baker's life were about to get super interesting. This sounds like it's almost hard to believe, I imagine, from your perspective, but it never even crossed my mind winning the Heisman Trophy until I was sitting in class and somebody came and said that the athletic director wanted to see me and they got me out of class. And I walked across campus and showed up in the athletic department and they said, there's a phone call for you here. And I got on the phone and somebody told me that I've won the Heisman Trophy. And I said, well, thank you. And they said, we'll be arranging for you to come back to New York. I said, fine. And then I went back to class. And that's how Terry found out he had won the 1962 Heisman Trophy. No television gala, no big media outlets guessing who's going to win the Heisman. Just out of the blue, being pulled out of class. And, oh, by the way, you've won the Heisman Trophy. And don't worry, we'll set up some arrangements for you to get to New York and then you can pick up the award. Terry found out about those arrangements in about the most awesome way possible. In those days, there was a a Look All-American team, and there were some others, you know, and they would fly you back to New York, and I was on the Johnny Carson show and the Ed Sullivan show, and and they took us over to Philadelphia for the Army-Navy game, and at halftime, we were down on the field to meet President Kennedy, and he walked down the line, and when he got to me, we're shaking hands. And he said to me, and I do remember this, he says, well, you're going to be seeing my brother in a couple of days. Uh, You know, he saw a quizzical look on my face. I don't know what he's talking about. He said, yeah, he's going to be presenting the Heisman Trophy to you. And sure enough, then, you know, whenever it was, a week later, whatever it was, I was back in New York and uh, at the downtown athletic club. So let's think about this for a second. Terry's 21 years old, didn't even have any idea he had a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. And now the president of the United States knows his schedule better than he does. Pretty amazing couple of weeks there for a college senior. Terry shares with us his fond memories of the Heisman Trophy presentation. Bobby Kennedy was the featured speaker at the banquet, and he was excellent speech. It was funny. It was great. And I sat next to him. And through that, I got to know Bobby Kennedy And when I was in law school later campaigned with him when he was trying to get the presidential nomination. Let's not forget that Oregon State had a date in the Liberty Bowl against Villanova. In a senior year packed with highlights, Terry was about to create another one. It was a frozen field, and I believe we changed into tennis shoes and played in tennis shoes because cleats were worthless. They had punted, and they downed the ball on the one-foot line. I do not know who called the play. Tommy Prothrow and I have discussed this many times afterwards of who called the play, whether he had sent it in or or I called it. And other people are taking responsibility for having called the play. But it was basically a rollout run by me, which, in my opinion, was a bad call by anybody to make, whoever made it, because you run the risk of being tackled in the end zone. Okay, so it's first down on the one-foot line. Somebody, nobody's quite sure who, has called a rollout. It's a scoreless game at this point. But hey, let's give it a shot and see what happens. After all, we've got the Heisman Trophy winner, Terry Baker, running the ball. And sure enough, I ran it, and one or two people did hit me in the end zone, and it would have been a safety, but they missed the tackle or slipped away, and I got around the end, and 
another tackle missed me uh, in the, one of their defensive backs. And then it was just clear sailing all the way down the end of the uh, field for the uh, touchdown. Touchdown, Terry Baker. A 99-yard rushing touchdown. Now, there's no way to break that record. It still stands tied as the longest rushing touchdown in NCAA history. Not only that, it won the game. Terry's 99-yard rollout touchdown was the only point scored in the game. Oregon State won 6 to nothing. The thing I also remember about that game was afterwards, I was so sore, you know, from falling basically on, we might as well have been playing on concrete. And the rest of the team went to New York. Pro Throw had arranged that for them to see New York City, and because my guess is none of the players on the team had ever been to New York. But uh, unfortunately, I had to go back to Portland by myself and got to Portland, then immediately went to uh, the next day, somehow got down to Corvallis, and I can't even tell you how I got there. I didn't have a car or whatever, but I got to Corvallis, practiced with the basketball team one day, then we back to Portland and flew back to Kentucky to play in the Kentucky Invitational. (laughs) Then I was in the basketball season. That's right, basketball. After all, Terry originally came to Oregon State on a basketball scholarship. By the time Terry rejoined the basketball team after the Liberty Bowl, Oregon State had already played four games, and they were 2-2. Two and two. The Beavers then won 10 of their next 12 with Terry in the lineup. In the meantime, Sports Illustrated put Terry on the cover again as the 1962 Sportsman of the Year. 1962 was the year that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game. Sonny Liston had won the heavyweight championship from Floyd Patterson. Bart Starr led the Green Bay Packers to their second straight NFL championship, and the running back Jim Taylor gained almost 1,500 yards rushing that year. And all you Los Angeles Dodgers fans out there might be eager to point out that's the year that Maury Wills became the first player in the modern era to steal 100 bases in a season. But Terry Baker bested them all for Sportsman of the Year in 1962. And also in the meantime, Terry had become the first overall selection in the NFL draft by the Los Angeles Rams. He wasn't finished enjoying being a senior in college yet, however. Remember, there was still basketball to play. Oregon State would make the NCAA basketball tournament and win their Sweet 16 game over San Francisco. They had to wait and see who they would play in the regional final. We had played in the final eight over in Provo, Utah the previous year. We were beaten by UCLA. Then the next year, it's deja vu all over again. We're there and USF is there, Arizona State, I think it was, UCLA and us. And we win the first game and then Arizona State with Joe Caldwell was their big guy playing UCLA in the second game. And we watched the first half of that game. And Arizona State was blowing UCLA out of it. We left after him and I thought, my God, do we have to now play a team that can blow UCLA out when UCLA beat us the year before? And so we come out the next night and we basically blow Arizona State out. That's how we made it to the Final Four. It's important to take a moment to mention Oregon State's basketball coach at the time. His name was Slats Gill. He started coaching the Oregon State basketball team in 1928. 1963 was his second trip to the Final Four. Oregon State fell to the University of Cincinnati in the national semifinal. Cincinnati 
then was defeated on a last-second shot by Loyola in the 1963 National Championship game. That game was the first national championship to be broadcast live on national television. There just wasn't as much hype, you know. All your games aren't on TV back then, those days. Even in football, you're lucky if you're ever on TV. There was three networks, and that was it. ABC, NBC, and CBS. I don't even remember that much hype on who's going to go in the draft or anything like that. As I mentioned before, Terry was the first overall draft choice in the 1963 NFL draft. He was also drafted by the American Football League's San Diego Chargers. Both of those drafts were actually held in December of 1962 as the two leagues were battling each other for players. For Terry, the choice to sign with the NFL's Rams over the American Football League Chargers was a simple one. The other league had just started the AFL at that time, but it was just getting off the ground. In my view, I I didn't even know if it would be around financially in a couple years. So if I was going to play pro football, I wanted to be in the NFL. Of course, the bad part about it is the last place team gets the first pick. And so the team wasn't very good at that time. Terry also tells us that the team facilities weren't very good either. This is hard to imagine. But when I was with the Rams, it did not even have a training facility of its own. We practiced during the season out in a public park in the San Fernando Valley. We ate when one of these traveling trucks that shows up at a construction site and sells sandwiches and stuff. That's what I would eat for lunch every day there. Wow, so imagine operating a food truck in 1960s Los Angeles and lined up outside are Heisman Trophy winner Terry Baker, Roman Gabriel, Deacon Jones, Eddie Metter, Rosie Greer. Merlin Olson, all of them. <laughs> we all did the same thing. And, I, and you know, by the time I was playing, it was pretty well advanced. It wasn't like the beginnings in the 20s and 30s. But the L.A. Coliseum was the same. It was a great facility to play in, you know, and good crowds and all that. Terry didn't play quarterback very much for the Rams. Roman Gabriel and Bill Munson were fighting for the job in the mid-1960s. The Rams integrated Terry a bit into the offense rushing and receiving. Terry's biggest play in his pro career was a game-winning touchdown against the Chicago Bears in Week 2 of the 1965 season. I do remember that because I actually have a a photograph of it uh, I've got of catching that pass. The 30-28 victory was the Rams' only win in their first 10 games. In 1966, Bears assistant coach George Allen took over head coaching duties of the Los Angeles Rams. George Allen released Terry during the 1966 exhibition season. Terry's touchdown against the Bears and the photograph he told us about are part of the story. I was in his office, and that picture was up behind his desk of me catching that pass <laughs> that beat the Bears. And I kind of chuckled looking at that picture. Why he's here, he's releasing me, and that picture is up on the wall behind his desk. And he said, well, it reminded him of a defense they had to put in to prevent that type of play. <laughs> and so Terry's NFL career lasted just as long as his college football career, three years. He did play one season, 1967, for the Edmonton Eskimos of the Canadian Football League. While he was playing for the Rams, he was going to law school at USC. He earned a law degree, moved back to Oregon, and had an outstanding legal career. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1982. 
His jersey number, 11, has been retired by Oregon State University. Terry's senior year in college is a stuff of legend. Literally, it was a lifetime of events packed into two semesters. He won the Heisman Trophy. He was Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. He met President Kennedy. He met his brother, the Attorney General, Bobby Kennedy. He was on the Ed Sullivan Show, the Johnny Carson Show. He ran for a 99-yard touchdown to win a bowl game. He was the first overall pick in the NFL draft. And he got to play in the Final Four. Not everybody could handle all that stuff happening in their life at once and then have it disappear so quickly. I asked Terry what the key was to surviving all the hoopla and craziness surrounding that senior year. My mother did a good job of raising us boys. And through my life, from grade school, elementary school, to high school and into college, I was very fortunate to have some mentors who I think understood, you know, my background, where I came from, and really went out of their way to pay attention to me and help me along and steer me. And I spent a lot more time of my life with coaches and them talking to me and being with them than with anybody else in my life. That helped an awful lot. I mean, uh, Prothro, even he, he, who was known as to be a very aloof coach and everything, kind of like you expect someone out of the military to be or something. I became very close friends with him even afterwards, and, and I can thank him for a lot of the stuff that he did to help me along. And Slatskill, the basketball coach, too. I just can't tell you how much of an influence they have on you. And when you see these coaches on TV and everything say, you know, we're building character and everything like that, uh, some of them are. Some of them really care about the type of kids that they have on that team and how they conduct themselves and the type of person they will become. Terry also wanted to point out the importance of team sports. Team sports are a wonderful thing, I believe, for any individual to participate in because what you get when you play with a team sport is, number one, you meet and become very close friends with a lot of people, and you succeed and you fail together with them, and you pull yourselves up and you do it all together. It's a great experience, and I'm, I'm lucky that I got to do it. A special thanks to Terry Baker for interviewing for our program. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. Brought to you by nbautographs.com. That's N as in Namath. B as in Bolitnikoff. nbautographs.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and visit our website, thegamebeforethemoney.com. Opinions expressed on this podcast aren't necessarily the opinions of anyone else, including our sponsors.